Hey everyone, this is James from Film to Film. I'm very excited to introduce a solo project that I've been working a lot on, watching a lot of films, of course, which is uh, not a chore for me, um, as well as kind of doing some research and some background information. And I'm trying to really um, create some a project that's hopefully a little more substantial than just kind of those regular reviews, which are of course a blast to do, but had a bit of time uh, with Inyaki being out for a bit. So I wanted to uh, give this a shot and see how it goes. So uh, the project that I am introducing today is called The Laukar Long project, um, which is basically going to be an appreciation of his films, um, what I think makes them great, uh, but also what makes them particularly interesting and stand out amongst kind of uh, the other kind of martial arts films that were made uh, in Hong Kong uh, around that time, but just kind of period. Uh, like, in my opinion, Lao Karn Long is one of the great directors, uh, perhaps one of the absolute best directors working uh, during that time. Uh, specifically, he had a very fruitful time uh, with Shaw Brothers, basically when he started directing in 1975 is his first credit all the way to the end, uh, 1985-1986. And his batting average uh, was really, really good. Um, like uh, Shaw Brothers films. I'm a fan of Shaw Brothers films in general. I think in general they have a very high floor in the sense that they always have very good production. They have a good uh, kind of stable of uh, performers and people that can do uh, like very, very nice choreography. But it's a company that, you know, will hit a lot of singles uh, hit and, and an occasional double um, and things like that. And so they're very, very reliable in my opinion. They don't have a lot of terrible, terrible films. There's almost always stuff to enjoy, especially if you kind of like the look and feel of the Shaw Brothers films, which I do. In my opinion, Lao Karlong uh, does transcend uh, quite a bit of that. Uh, and he makes films that are definitely, in my opinion, uh, a bit better than average. So while he will hit the occasional single or double, he also has uh, a few films that I would consider to be amongst the absolute very best Shaw Brothers films or martial arts films, period, and really should be considered uh, kind of amongst the canon. I think depending on the fans that you're talking to, those few films might differ a bit, but I think pr pretty much everyone that likes kind of these old school traditional martial arts films has to acknowledge that Lao Kar Long uh, is definitely one of the greats. Um, so uh, I will be kind of going episode by episode, going through a, a bunch of different themes, uh, talking about some of the key players, the performers that Lao Karn Long used, as well as his choreography, uh, as some of the sort of themes that we come back to, specifically the master disciple and the idea of personal growth, and really how these films contrast with the vision of some of his other uh, contemporaries at the time. I'll also be reviewing five films. Um, I had to pick five, which is quite difficult for Lao Kuan Long because there's a lot of films that I like very, very equally uh, there. So I tried to pick five that I thought were particularly interesting to kind of cover and review and go over. So the first one is Executioners of Shaolin. Second up is the 36th Chamber of Shaolin. Then Dirty Ho. Uh, and then uh, followed by Marshall Club and Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. So in my opinion, five really, really good films. Are those my top five films? I'm not sure, but they would be certainly uh, towards the towards the top of that list. Um, so just a little bit about myself too. I'm approaching this largely as a fan. Uh, this is not my first go around with Lao Kar Lung. I first got into his films when I was sort of exploring Hong Kong cinema for the first time around 2009, 2010, so almost 15 years ago. And during that time when I was watching those films, 
I do feel like I really enjoyed the choreography. I would have rated a lot of those films very highly at the time then. But, um, you know, when you're watching a lot of these films and you're also mixing it and matching it with other films and not necessarily paying attention to who's directing what, Lao Kar Long has a lot of credits and he was an action choreography on a lot of films that he did not direct as well. And so uh, when you aren't paying as close of attention to those, they can run together with, like, for instance, Chong Cho films. Um, so I, I enjoyed the choreography, but I don't know if I could have said what really made him stand out compared to some of the other directors. So really um, have enjoyed kind of rewatching these films and taking a deeper look because I think there's um, stuff to appreciate certainly beyond kind of the choreography, which is magnificent and can certainly be argued that uh, he's the best. I would definitely include him perhaps in the top uh, uh, two or three action choreographers of all time. Um, so yeah, uh, going to be talking uh, kind of about those things as well as reviewing those. So in terms of choreography, uh, he uh, his background is basically in this Hungar style, which is kind of descended from uh, the style that's probably most notably would be known from Wong Fei Hung and Wong Fei Hung films. Um, if you are a fan of martial arts films, um, even if you have fan, even if you haven't paid super close attention to who the different artists are. Chances are you've watched a Wong Fei Hung film, uh, the Once Upon a Time in China series. He, uh, there was a long-running series that Lao Kar Long kind of got his start on, uh, with featuring Quan Tok King. So he's one of those like southern martial arts heroes. Hong Kong is in the south, so it's something that's going. Uh, it, it's something that if you are even somewhat familiar with martial arts cinema, you probably at least rub uh, shoulders with that. So his background um, is descended from uh, kind of that Hungar style uh, that Wang Fei Hung is also a part of. Um, so he can directly trace that back. Um, even in his weakest films, uh, specifically during the Shaw Brothers films, I do feel like there's a lot to enjoy here. Uh, Lao Kar Lung's floor is even higher than the Shaw Brothers floor. So even like a film that, you know, not a lot of people are going to shout his phrases of something like Cat vs. Rat, for instance. I think there's still a lot to enjoy there. So he's one of those directors that I would recommend watching um, probably everything that he's directed. There's only 25 films, so this is not like a Chong Chu uh, style, uh, like, uh, um, length filmography uh, to work through. Um, yeah, uh, let's see what else is there. So, uh, yeah, going to be exploring specifically the master disciple relationship, how personal growth is something. One interesting tidbit that I came across while researching his films is uh, kind of mid career. Uh, Lao Karn Long's favorite film was Heroes of the East. And Heroes of the East is a really interesting film, especially when put in contrast uh, versus something like what Chang Cho was working on at the time, which are these huge body count films, which are almost like slashers in the sense of finding creative ways to kill different people. They're not really slashers, but there's a lot of creativity and staging put into uh, kind of creative ways to kill people. Um, and uh, Heroes of the East is a body countless film uh, that is kind of um, about uh, def different Chinese and Japanese styles and kind of featuring them both. Uh, again, Lao Kar Long did have his start and has his background in martial arts. So showcasing that in interesting ways um, is a big part of kind of um, his directorial vision. Uh, but that film eventually was uh, surpassed by Marshall Club, which is a Wang Fei Hung film um, that uh, also has a body count of zero. So if you're someone that has a bloodlust, uh, uh, which I would count myself amongst those at times, uh, Lao Kar Long's films aren't necessarily always going to be bringing a high body count uh, or even a body count at all. 
uh, in the way that you would expect something like Changche, where he, there are bodies, uh, there's uh, a lot of like uh, uh, revenge, torture, mas masochism, that sort of thing. Uh, that those things are constant themes in his work, and I think it's important to kind of. Um, uh, see the differences in between those two too. So uh, that's something that I really enjoyed kind of contrasting him versus uh, kind of the big three Shaw Brothers films, uh, big, big three martial arts directors at the time if you want to uh, kind of toss King Hu in there too. He also tends to have kind of this lighter touch to his films. A lot of people credit um, uh, the kind of kung fu comedy to sort of the Jackie Chan, Yun Wu Ping films, uh, Snake and Eagle Channel, Drunken Master, 1978. I think you can certainly give those films a lot of credit for popularizing it, but I think if you look back to Lao Kar Lung's films, is he really does have kind of this uh, this constant comedic touch. I wouldn't say necessarily all his films are comedies, and occasionally he will kind of go into this Chang Chu realm of being very, very serious. But um, I think even from his first film, Spiritual Boxer, there is kind of like this lighter touch uh, applied to that um, that can be seen as pretty contrasting versus something that's a little more um, dark and dour uh, like uh, the Chang Chia films. Okay, so a little bit about the man. Uh, the, uh, Lao Karlong was born in 1934 in Guangzhou. That's in southern China too. It's basically uh, just a bit outside of Hong Kong. Eventually, uh, him and his family immigrated over. Um, so uh, Cantonese-speaking world here. Um, so uh, that's kind of important to note because he would end up working on a lot of these Cantonese quickies, uh, which uh, they're called that by Tony Raines, which are basically these very quick made productions. Um, this is where he was working on a lot of those Quanta King films about kind of the early Wang Fei Hong series. Um, so that's again part of his like kind of martial arts lineage. Uh, sometimes you'll also see him mentioned under the alternate name Liu Chiang Liang. Uh, that can certainly be a little bit confusing. Uh, a lot of the Chinese names are just kind of that way. So it's something to just uh, kind of note and put in the back of your brain. Um, and in some ways, his background is very similar to the Seven Little Fortunes, even though I rarely see this comparison being made. The big two kind of uh, Shaw Brothers films, uh, Shaw Brothers directors, uh, King Hu, who I guess is not really a Shaw Brothers director, but did Come Drink With Me, which really ushered in and created the this kind of like a wave of films, and uh, Changcha. These guys were both from uh, Shanghai in Changcha's case, and King Hu is from uh, the north. Uh, I think around Beijing area. And so those guys have kind of this more educated, uh, 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 kind of elite, uh, for lack of a better word, background, and ended up coming into the studio that way. Those places are also notably Mandarin speaking. Uh, in comparison, uh, Lao Kar Lung comes from a martial arts and performers background. And so, I mean, kind of got his start working as a stuntman, working as a choreographer for a lot of those quickly made uh, Quanta King films. Um, so in that sense, he's very much like the uh, Seven Little Fortunes, being a bit more working class and ha kind of having this performative uh, background. Um, so yeah, uh, eventually those films ran out and he ended up moving over to Shaw Brothers. Shaw Brothers is, was a uh, almost exclusively, or I think it was exclusively, Mandarin uh, speaking studio at the time. So he ended up making that migration over despite the language. Um, and uh, here is where he starts to rack up a ton of credits. He was actually racking up a ton of credits before on those Wang Fei Hong films. But here is where he kind of, um, Ch Shaw Brothers at the time was kind of the... Um, they put a lot of production and they built these very, very elaborate sets. 
Um, so compared to the films that he was previously working on, there's a lot more that's going into them. Uh, they can bring in lots of extras and things like that, have like all these costumes that, that of course they can use and reuse. So very much like kind of the old school Hollywood uh, studio systems, uh, very much modeled on those. And so uh, the Shaw Brothers, uh, in comparison to those films, had uh, a good deal of money. And so you kind of worked on these more prestigious films, things like One-Armed Swordsman, which were massive hits. Uh, this is really where he started his kind of working relationship with Chang Chi, uh, who uh, is kind of the big uh, martial arts film director for Shaw Brothers, uh, certainly at this time, um, and who directed films for them pretty much almost to the end, but not quite. Um, and this is also where he started to work. Well, no, he was actually working with Tong Chia beforehand in some of those quick productions. But Tong Chia was basically another choreographer who had a, a different background than Lau Kar Long. And so the idea was they complemented each other. We'll be talking a bit more about Shaw Brothers, Chang Chia and Tong Chia in uh, one of the next episodes too, when we're talking about kind of the key players and the things that really allowed him uh, to, do, uh, to do his work. So uh, I think... Perhaps most notably, uh, he eventually becomes a director in his own right in 1975. So that's about uh, not quite 10 years after he kind of got his start with Shaw Brothers. And so uh, after this, he had had a ton of um, credits basically being the action director. And so his first film was Spiritual Boxer. And I think the one thing that Shaw Brothers does um, is it really gives you kind of like this solid base of infrastructure of craftsmen, cinematographers, uh, production design, things like that, that really can enhance the production. So right from the get-go, I'd say Lau Kar Long is making films that are uh, good. Like Spiritual Boxer, while I don't think anyone's going to put that in their top, top five Lau Kar Long films, it's a good film. And so he's making films like that, Marshall Club, Executioners from Shaolin, uh, before eventually making kind of his big, big breakout film. I, I guess Executioners could count there too, but uh, The 36th Chamber of Shaolin, which is probably the film that most people will associate Lao Kar Lung with uh, and one that he's most well known for. So unlike someone like Chang Chi, uh, I, and I stared at Lao Kar Lung's filmography uh, for a while trying to create patterns and things like that, he has less defined phases. Chang Chi would kind of go through these uh, star phases where he'd be like, okay, Jimmy Wang Yu and Lo Lia, they're in almost all of his films. Oh, okay, uh, so Jimmy Wang Yu broke his contract and left. Okay, now we're going David Chang, uh, T. Long route. And so uh, he would have kind of a series of films with different performers before kind of moving on to the next. Lao Kar Long isn't really like that. He was never cranking out films as prolifically as Chang Cha. Not that he was uh, working slowly. He would often do uh, two or three films a year for sure. Um, but uh, but uh, he, he doesn't have as many of those kind of like phases where we can sort of neatly track uh, the different uh, times in his career. Uh, in fact, one of the things that was speculated upon on one of the uh, Shaw Scope releases uh, by Tony Raines is that he would sometimes follow the uh, sort of well-known one for them, one for us uh, routine. Um, and so he was speculating that My Young Auntie, which is very much kind of a Lau Kar Long project, I think he even got a writing credit on that, uh, that really featured one of um, uh, the kind of the key members of his troupe at the time, Kara Hui, uh, that was kind of uh, made as a deal with Shaw Brothers to make a return to the 36 Chambers, which, of course, they would want uh, because, I mean, if there's one thing studios always want is they want sequels to very successful films uh, so they can uh, capitalize and make more money. Um, 
So, and uh, apparently that was something that Lao Kar Long was not super interested in. So um, kind of making that one for them, one for us deal too. Um, so yeah, uh, and you know, throughout his career, his films would be varying types of comedies. Some would be downright uh, comedies, some, something like My Young Auntie, I've heard compared to something like a screwball uh, comedy. Uh, but other ones would be more serious. So something like Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, for instance, I'd say is, uh, you know, there might be a little bit of comedy in that, but I think it would be, I, I think just about no one would classify that as a uh, comedy. I'd say probably his most famous films are definitely The 36th Chamber of Shaolin, uh, Dirty Ho, and Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. Uh, there's one film I'm missing from there that is certainly well known. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and so uh, one last thing in terms of his <coughs> Shaw Brothers career, it's really interesting to see uh, where Chang Cho went after sort of this partnership of sin uh, choreographer diverged uh, with Lao Kar Long, because Lao Kar Long was probably his most kind of significant contributor, contributing through all those eras that I was just talking about, from the Jimmy Wang Yu era, era to the David Chang Tien Long era, and then to this era where he's making films in uh, Taiwan. So one that thing that they collaborated on right before um, they sort of split up is this cycle of films called the Shaolin Cycle of Films. And so they're basically films that are centered around the uh, burning of the Shaolin Temple. Some are before and feature kind of things that were going on at the temple. Some are right after. In fact, you can look at a lot of these films uh, now. Uh, and in fact, Lao Kar Long would make a number of those films too. So things like Executioners from Shaolin opens up right after kind of the temple is burnt. Um, and so this, these were kind of the last cycle of films that they were working on before they split up. Um, and so you can look and see a lot of kind of the work. Um, and according to Lau Kar Long, at least, he sort of introduced the idea of making these uh, films centered around the burning of the Shaolin Temple to Changcha. That's disputed, so it's always hard to kind of know exactly what the truth is. But they both, both made films around this, so it's interesting to see the different approaches that they both take to um, kind of this very similar material there. Um, and so things like uh, Execution of Shaolin, which is going to be the first film that I will review here, is a really nice bridge uh, to see sort of the gap. Uh, there are parts of that film that feel absolutely like a Changcha film, uh, where we're getting uh, bodies being impaled with swords and lots of death. And there are parts that, that Changcha would definitely not have directed, so things like the focus on the family. But we'll dive into that later. So eventually the Shaw Studios closes. Uh, at this point, Lao Kar Long had become, uh, from what I understand, one of perhaps the most significant working director still at Shaw. He was far more successful than Chang Cha uh, once he started directing. I think Chang Cha's career kind of uh, started to uh, kind of go down a bit. His Five Deadly Venoms career, uh, after Five Deadly Venoms, he did not have a ton of hits after that, whereas Lao Kar Long was one of the Shaw brothers that was still able to create uh, a number of films that were fairly widely seen and well-liked. Um, and of course, Hong Kong was going into a different era, so Shaw Brothers ends up sh shutting down right around 1985, 1986. Um, and he was one of the last directors working kind of to the end there. And it's really too bad uh, that it closed because he was making really good films all the way to the end. Disciples of Shaolin, I think in particular, is one film that I would uh, include amongst his best, even though we're not talking about it here. Um, Whereas uh, Changcha, uh, 
if anything, he kind of doubled down on sort of themes of death and masculinity. A lot of men, uh, a lot of men in his film, not a lot of women in his film. Um, so kind of the brotherhood and like the love between men, um, essentially. So those were kind of like the Venoms era that he went on uh, after Lao Kalong. And of course, the choreography changes quite a bit uh, to more of kind of like that Peking opera uh, background stuff that uh, some of those performers had. Whereas Lao Kalong's uh, choreography, um, I think perhaps got even better just because uh, he's more focused on making these films rather than cranking out a ton of choreography for other people's films. But it was very much kind of uh, a similar style. He always had, even though he explored a number of different styles of martial arts in his films, uh, he, he, I feel like he would always often return back to uh, the Hungar style. After the Shaw brothers uh, kind of breakup, he had an interesting post-Shaw Brothers career. I think if you look at all the different Shaw Brothers directors, uh, especially if you uh, exclude King Hu here, uh, not a lot of them uh, would necessarily go on to great things. Someone like Choi Yuan becomes an actor, of course. Ho Meng Hua, his career basically stops at that point. Chang Chu does not have much of a, an acclaimed career after uh, Shaw Brothers either. And so in that sense, Lao Kar Lung's career was perhaps more successful. But instead of, uh, I think, hitting consistently singles and doubles, I think uh, it, it does decline a little bit there. So while he abs absolutely has made a couple films worth checking out, um, and it is very fascinating to see him try to work with the times and change uh, once he's out of kind of that Shaw Brothers mode. Uh, his career is undoubtedly much worse uh, after 1985-1986 than it was uh, before then. I think most notably, uh, my favorite film of the later ones is Tiger on the Beat, which, uh, especially if you know that this is the man that directed the legendary weapons of China uh, and very seriously featured a number of different weapons uh, in the film, uh, ends up directing a fight with a chainsaw with uh, one of his favorite, with one of his regular troop, Gordon Liu versus uh, Conan Lee, uh, which is, you know, it's a great little piece, but uh, it's... Uh, it's very, very different, and it's interesting to see him um, kind of work in the more contemporary setting, something that he only did once uh, in sort of his shop of this era. He also did a Aces Go Places film, which in my opinion is not very good. Uh, I don't think he's particularly well suited towards that sort of material too. Okay, and so probably um, uh, the most famous film that he's directed, although I don't think a lot of people would associate this as a Lao Kar Long film, is The Legend of the Drunken Master. Um, this was, a, of course, a Jackie Chan film, uh, kind of the return to traditional arts for Jackie Chan. Uh, and apparently they butted heads quite a bit. And from what I understand, Jackie Chan took over the direction of a lot of stuff. So it's very hard to kind of understand where to assign authorship uh, to a film like that. Um, there are parts where the action absolutely rips. Um, I personally, um, you know, some people consider that film to be a martial arts masterpiece. I kind of come down a little bit below that. There are a number of Lao Kar Long Shaw Brothers films that I would um, rate higher than that, even if you were to grant that he was the sole director there. From what I understand, was not the case. Uh, kind of his last uh, hurrah, too, in terms of uh, choreography, is he helped choreograph uh, Seven Swords with Troy Hark, and so he ended up winning a Best Action Choreography Hong Kong Cinema uh, Award for that as well. So yeah, that kind of uh, wraps up his basic career overview. So I hope you all found that interesting. You can email me at ZAFilmToFilm uh, or at ZAFilmToFilm at gmail.com or send me a 
tweet at ZA Film to Film. Next up, I am going to be doing an episode uh, covering kind of the key players and the different people that Lau Karlong worked with and what makes them significant in terms of um, kind of his output. Film is a collaborative art, and I don't think it's a coincidence that his uh, film career with Shaw Brothers is different than after Shaw Brothers. It's not like he changed overnight with that, but a lot of that had to do with um, the people he's working with, the Shaw Brothers infrastructure and things like that, and the resources given. So I think it's really important to cover those aspects there. And then after that, we will be hopping into The Executioners from Shaolin, which is a film that, uh, you know, when I watched that back in 2009, I initially didn't care for as much. Um, but uh, has really, really grown on me, and I think it's it's really a fantastic film. So very much looking forward to recording both of those. So let me know what you think, um, and I will see you all next time.